everyone. I hope you are staying healthy and safe. This podcast episode comes with a video interview. If you would like to watch the video interview, you can find the links of the interview in my episode notes. You can watch it either through my YouTube page or my Facebook page called Words of Heart Podcasts. However you choose to listen to it, I truly hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with author Randy Bosla. Bosla. <laughs> I hope I said that right. You did. You did. Thank you for joining me today, Randy. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Randy, if you could tell my listeners a bit about yourself, your books, your story, give us the inside scoop into who you are. That would be great. I'll give you the short version because the long version would be very long. (laughs) So, like you said, I'm an author. So, I've actually published five books now. Um, three are nonfiction, two are kids' books. And in those three nonfiction books, I, I go a lot more in depth with my story, but it really is about my mental health journey with depression. And then one of them is also about raising my kid that has autism and the changes and the struggle that we've kind of went through over that period of time. Um, so I do have a kid. I also have another one. So I have two teenagers. Um, my younger one's the one that has autism. And I have a grandbaby who is only just one and a half right now. Um, and uh, I have a couple dogs, a couple cats, love my animals. And uh, let's see, some other inside scoops. A few years ago, I had cancer. Um, it's been, it'll be three years in a month since I've been cancer free. So that's been amazing. And it definitely was one of the scariest times in my life. When I got diagnosed with it, my youngest who has autism was also going through probably the worst part of of getting through like getting through treatment and stuff. Um, So that hand in hand with the cancer diagnosis, I had no idea what was going on in my life. It was just kind of making it to the next day and the next day because I was either going to the hospital for myself or going to the hospital for my kid. So sometimes I didn't even know where I was at in life, Um, but everything is going much better now. Um, I'm also married. So actually before we got married, when we were engaged, my husband almost died as well. Um, That's when we found out he's got type one diabetes and his blood sugar was so high that uh, yeah, he almost died before we even got to get married so that was that would be the second scariest moment because cancer still beats that one <laughs> um and uh most recently actually uh, i lost my brother to a drug overdose that one's hard to say because it's very recent um but so through all of this my big kind of i guess mission in life has now become to talk about mental health and the importance of getting help and coping mechanisms and just trying to normalize the fact that people have mental health and we don't need to be ashamed of it we can be quite successful in life that's my short version (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> quite a version, and I truly admire you for sharing that um, just now. Um, I also got diagnosed with diabetes um, actually a year ago at the start of the pandemic. So as far as being on the brink of death, um, I actually understand your husband's um, scary, right? Yeah, it's not fun at all having to go through that. And um, so my heart goes out to you and um, your husband, because it's one thing to experience it, which is very crazy, but to actually have to witness it. Um, I'm sure you had so many emotions going on in your head, um, just like yeah. my family when they had to witness me go through that as well. Yeah, quite a few. And my husband's funny. He actually, so he's in the hospital, hooked up to like the IVs and the ICU. And I finally got to go to visit him because my mother-in-law actually took him to the hospital because our youngest was four at the time. So I couldn't, I couldn't just drop it and go. And uh, he looks at me and goes, you still want to get married? Because, you know, here's a good time to leave. <laughs> I'm like, you're no, even on your deathbed, you're still cracking jokes. All right, you're fine. <laughs> so um, I know you mentioned you have a younger son with autism. Um, do you mind sharing um, what that's like exactly? What is autism for those who may not be aware? Because I know it's a type of um, health um, condition because I had my fair share of health conditions growing up, but I don't have much knowledge of autism. Um, Sure. I know they um, see the world perhaps a little differently, but apart from that, um, I don't really know much about it. That's a great question. So um, obviously I'm not a doctor. I just want to say that first. This is just a mom's perspective of it. So autism is low functioning and high functioning, but a lot of people understand it that way where um, some people have lower abilities to function and some have higher. I like to think of it more like, so it's a spectrum, but I like to break it down because my daughter. And, uh, uh, Randy, you're kind of breaking up. I'm going to try to fix that. Uh, I'm going to try at the same time. fix it. Because you're breaking up a bit. Um, Randy, are you still there? Yeah, I. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. I'm so sorry for that technical difference, okay. everyone and you. Um, you were explaining um your mom perspective on autism before everything yeah. was wonky. Yeah. So, um, I like to think of it in different dimensions of the spectrum so my child technically falls like high functioning but emotionally I would put him much more on the lower end whereas verbally he's a little bit higher I mean he never stops talking you just might not always understand what he's saying so there's a lot of different areas just like there's a lot of different areas in our own lives right we've got communication skills we have emotional skills we have our nonverbal communication skills so you know, it's very different, um, but really they just, they look at life differently. They may learn differently. The biggest thing for my son is emotional regulation and, uh, and sensory issues. So the sensory issues, a lot of times will lead to meltdowns. 
And a meltdown is very different than a temper tantrum. So a temper tantrum is like, I want a chocolate bar. No. And then they cry because they don't get what they want. Whereas a meltdown is like, oh my goodness, it's way too loud. So I'm going to scream because I don't know how to say it's too loud. So that's kind of a big difference. Um, and for my son, his meltdowns were violent. And that's not something that a lot of people talk about. Um, when I say violent, I mean, they started with, when he was younger, I could restrain him. But as he got older and pretty much my size now, because he's 14, I couldn't do that anymore. And so we would have to call the police to come in and help us. And they'd call the ambulance. They were really, really good, actually. I hear a lot of horror stories um, about police coming in, but at least where I am, they were always really, really nice. They tried very, very hard to do their best to not have to put their hands on him or anything like that. So um, I'm really glad for the officers we have around where I live, because I've seen a lot of horror stories about that one. Um, and then from there, he started changing from the external meltdowns to internalizing a lot of it because then he was getting picked on in school and stuff. Um, and actually had suicide attempts where, again, we were going to the hospital all the time. Wow. Um, I can't, like, you're a true rock star, um, honestly, because I can't imagine um and you also mentioned you had cancer at one point during this whole experience so yeah right around the time that he was having the worst meltdowns and the most suicide attempts so, all at the same time I mean your mental state must have been really rocked so I truly applaud you for your strength and your courage or spirit to push and persevere through this because you I, I guess in a sense you really didn't have a choice I mean he's your own son and so you have to do whatever it takes to make sure he's still breathing and so yeah exactly and I've actually had people say um oh how do you do it I go I don't know. I just do. Like, there's no, you said it. It's, it's my kid. So I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, to help him. But to me, I just go, yeah, it's my kid. I'm just doing what a mom would do. But at the same time, I mean, I guess I do see other people's perspectives of it's a lot harder than what your neurotypical child would be like. Well, um, on a child level, because I had many health um deficiencies growing up so I can understand the dynamic of being picked on because you're different and you're not like a normal typical child um just to give you a little insight into me um for the first two years of my life I couldn't hear her talk <laughs> yeah many people tend to have a microphone drop moment whenever I announce that because it's not <laughs> It's not really public knowledge all that much, but and you um, have a show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so obviously I'm talking and breathing. So um, I really have dealt with the whole gamut of being different um, and having delays and health related issues and everything. Um, I had speech therapy and physical therapy. Um, and on some degree, I can understand the sensory touch thing because um, my family or at least my dad's emphasized that um, I have to take my shoes off or socks off the second I get home, like right away. Like I have to have that touch and like feel 
sensory was like a real pivotal part um, to my, I guess, development in some form. Um, I also have hypertension deficit disorder, um, which um, I believe the medical term or the descriptive analogy of that is basically um, you have trouble focusing, can't sit still, um, which to some degree I still um, have to go through that as an adult, but it's not as apparent as um, when I was a child. So um, I understand being different and people making fun of you. I would raise my hand to answer a question. This, you know, when you, you have to, you want to be involved in school and everything, um, the students will automatically start laughing this when I get it wrong, which was, it's, it was definitely hurtful because why do I have to be different than everybody else? Um, and I had special classes and everything. So my whole life, I had to like get rid of that stigma that um, I'm different because of this but I'm still me, this is a part of me. It makes me unique, yeah. it makes me special. So um, as far as health diagnoses, and obviously I mentioned I got diagnosed with diabetes. So what I just shared and me being diagnosed with diabetes last year, wasn't that much of a surprise considering the gamut of issues I had to deal with as a kid. But obviously I hadn't anticipated having to deal with any more health issues as an adult. Um, so um, I lost my train of thought as to this whole process. But the point is, um, good. I understand um, your son and the mindset um, of being different when there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Cause I definitely felt my feel share of being picked on. And um, I did have suicide thoughts at one point. So um, I can understand um, questioning one, one's existence and, oh, I why am I here? That type of mentality, but you are here for a reason. You are loved and cared for and you shouldn't end your life because your story is still being written and it does have purpose. Even if it's difficult for you to see at that moment, it will be revealed to you. Yes, I totally agree. And on a positive note, we have not had any suicide attempts in over a year. Yay! That is a very big deal. So um, obviously you're an author. You have two children's books and fiction books. Yep, two kids' books, three fiction, nonfiction. 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 Um, so um, what are your nonfiction books about, um, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, of course I want you to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, so two of them are about mental health, and then one of them is about raising my kid with autism. So the I got started actually as a teenager writing poetry as my coping mechanism when I was going through my first kind of really big bout of depression. And so I was cleaning up my basement when my husband's grandfather passed away a few years ago and I found all of my poems that I had written. And so these are good. But I mean, of course I'm biased, but these are good. So I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna throw them out, but I also didn't want them to sit in my basement. Um, and at that time I was going through another really big bout of depression myself. So 
actually I hid in my blanket fort. I made a blanket fort. I sat out and hid in it. And I started typing up because all of my poetry was all handwritten at the time. So I would be sitting in like English class and just writing it or whatever. And I typed it all out on my computer. I added some story, kind of, you know, fucked it up a bit um, and talked about how I'm glad that even though all of these thoughts in the poetry are pretty much about not wanting to be here anymore, at the end, I explain why I'm so glad that I am still here. So it ends on a really positive note. Um, you, you just have to kind of wrap your head around the fact that you're going to read a lot of dark poetry first, but there's a purpose. <laughs> um, so that was the first one I did. I published that in 2017. And then I was just like, yay, I, I published the book. Okay. And I wasn't going to do any more. But once you publish a book, you kind of just want to keep going. <laughs> so, so I started writing um, my second book, which was the one about raising my kid with autism, because one of the hardest parts about being a parent to a child who was newly diagnosed was that I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where support was or who I could lean on. And I felt completely alone. And that feeling of aloneness is so hard to deal with on top of going, hey, what do I need to do with you? Okay, I know I need to make some doctor's appointments, but who do I call? Which doctors? The wait list. So it was really hard. And over the course of the, the years, so my son was diagnosed at age eight. Um, he's now 14. So over the, the course of the years, I've learned a lot of different things that I wish I would have known back then. And I want other people to not feel alone because that was the worst feeling. So actually I co-wrote that with my one friend. Um, so the first half is my story. And then she writes her story about raising her son that has his own uniqueness um, with anxiety. So you kind of get uh, some different views. Uh, and then at the end, we actually put in worksheets with like knowing what every single doctor asked us over and over and over again. We're like, okay, if we would have known what they were going to ask, we could have just written it all down beforehand. It would have made life a lot easier. So we put all of that knowledge into worksheets so that other parents could pick it up and go, oh, that's what a doctor might ask me. Okay, and you write it down. And then that way you can just kind of make photocopies and hand it to each doctor. A lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually, I've been working on part two of that because that book goes from right from when I was pregnant up to grade six. Um, so, I mean, now we have grade six to grade nine that I have to work on, um, to share the teenage years because those are a whole other story. <laughs> um, and then most recently I released a book this March and it's called Embracing Me. It's my favorite. I feel like ever when you do something, right, the more times you do it, the better you get. That's just life, right? So obviously my next book is going to be a little better than the next one, next one, next one. Um, but this one is all about depression, because um, that's the mental health that I struggle with, and coping mechanisms, and how it's okay, and you, you already had said my, my favorite thing to say, yes, I have depression, but depression doesn't have me, and you kind of already said that with, yeah, you've got, you have health challenges, but that's only a part of you, and that's really what that book is all about, is that embrace all of who you are because you're not just one thing you're a multitude of things 
So being okay with all of these different aspects of yourself helps to embrace who you are and just keep going. Um, and then, I, like I said, I talked about my journey with depression. So if somebody maybe has a family member, like a loved one, and they're like, I don't know how to help you, or I don't know, like, I don't understand, they can pick up the book and maybe get some insight into what they might be feeling like. And again, worksheets at the end, because I find like something actually practical to put, like they talk about self-care stuff and how to write a letter to your younger self and some practical skills that I've learned along the way. I wanted to you know, share those and put something that people could actually pick up and, and use right away because it's, it's important to not just read it and put it on the shelf, right? It's a book that you're supposed to read and kind of like absorb and use. Awesome. And first off, you're becoming more awesome to me by the second, <laughs> simply because you write poetry and I'm a poet. So I completely understand <laughs> the emotional defied words. So I just love, 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 love that your writing journey started with poetry. I love yeah. that. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on another book. It's very, very brand new. I've only got a three poems written for it, but it's going to be another kind of poetry book um, about my brother. So, yay! Eventually. So, um, considering um what your books emphasize with mental health and depression and your own personal struggles, um, how do you feel um mental health has played a factor considering the pandemic and the season we're in? Um, because I know it's affected many people. Um traumatically speaking, not um, because it's been really difficult for everyone this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of a multi-layered question because I feel like it really depends on each person's individual situation. Okay. So um, first I'll start with my household. In my household, it actually really helped because anxiety plays such a huge role in um, my youngest life that taking away the need to leave the house or the fight to go to school has improved his ability to work with his counselor online and do really well in school. This is the first year that he's ever had amazing grades like he has now, even though he's always been totally capable of doing the work. So for him, I know it works fabulously. And I'm actually a little bit worried about when we need to try and get him to go back to a physical school, it's going to be a very difficult transition. On the other side of that, I have, a, so I'm also a personal trainer um, and a kickboxer. I didn't mention that too, because there's just so much. <laughs> so, so on the other side of that, I have a client who, um, he actually also has autism, but being out of school, and I know this is the case for a lot of kids, being out of school has been far more difficult for him. He hasn't been able to get anything done because there's no going to the school, there's no interaction with the teacher the same way. So that's been really difficult. And then as far as, you know, just adults, because that's more like the kids side, for adults, again, for, for me, I have my husband and my mom lives with us. So I have people around me, it's not so hard. Um, and I do, interviews so I get to talk to people I have my own YouTube show so again I'm talking to people all the time so I'm good but I also know people that live all by themselves and they're stuck 
um, and they don't get to go out, they don't get to see anybody, especially for like my grandfather, he doesn't know how to do all this fancy Zoom stuff. Right. So it's been a lot more difficult for him. So I think that this has played a role very differently depending on the situation. And I don't think there's one blanket answer, which at least for the articles that are written locally where I am, um, I'm in Ontario, Canada, um, <laughs> where I am, a lot of the articles are very clearly going, it's bad for your mental health. For some, I'm not going to deny that. For some, it's been horrible. And I've talked to some friends and I, I have to kind of not talk them off the ledge, but just be like, hey, I'm still here for you. Don't forget. Not even though I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and being in Canada, I mean, our winters really kind of suck. So we're only just getting some sunlight now, which again, <laughs> does not help mental health when we don't have sunlight. Um, so, so that again, plays another role, but I don't think it's a one cut dry answer, but I know there's a lot of buts in my answer because it is such a big topic. Right. For people who are experiencing mental health trouble, it could be even the first time just because the situation has totally changed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of businesses have closed. So it's life changing what has happened in the last year. That's very difficult. So for some people, they may be experiencing mental health for the very first time and don't even know where to go. If you've lost your job, you can't just afford to go to a counselor because they're not cheap. Yes, in Canada, we do have mental health care, but a lot of times there's a wait list. So without having the proper supports in place, it makes it a lot more difficult to deal with issues when they arise right away, then they fester. You let things fester, they tend to get bigger and harder to deal with. So that's my really, really long answer. <laughs> Sorry, but that's my really, really long answer of the fact that the pandemic has affected everyone differently. And I think people need to appreciate the differences that are around the world and around just even your neighborhood in general and stop looking at one situation as the only situation. I couldn't agree more with your long-winded answer. <laughs> Um, I do believe, um, though it has been really tragic, um, there has been positive aspects um, to this situation, even though people fail to realize it. Um, for myself personally, there was a, and because your husband understands the depths of this answer as well, I was on the brink of death. Um, I had just turned 24. I was experiencing birthdays and holidays, all these Thanksgiving, all these fun holidays where you're supposed to be happy and grateful for what you have. And I couldn't really do that because I could have died at any given moment. So it was not easy for me to be appreciative of anything. I was, I was depressed. That's probably the worst amount of depression I've ever experienced in my life. Um, I really hope I don't have to experience any sense of depression as bad as that was. Um, so, um, for myself personally, in regards to the pandemic, I can't really hate 2020. I really can't as much as people want to hate it. I wish I could join in on them, but I can't, I really, really can't. I can't hate 2020 because there was a very likely chance I wasn't going to see 2020 because I was on the brink of death. So 
in regards to the pandemic in 2020 as a whole, I, for myself personally, I see it as a blessing in disguise. And this is just from my perspective. I can't yeah. for everyone. Um, because if I hadn't been diagnosed with diabetes, obviously I wouldn't be here. So God's like, no, I'm not finished writing your story yet. You still have a long ways to go before you join me up here in heaven. So exactly. <laughs> um, he wanted me to continue writing my story and living my purpose. And if I hadn't been diagnosed, then this podcast wouldn't have came to be either. <laughs> I want to be a warrior for change and be a vocal force to be reckoned with in helping others through this particular platform. And that is okay um, to not be okay. And that there are people that care about you and want to be there for you and that you shouldn't have to go through anything alone. So I hope my particular platform, which I hope continues to make an impact during this season, this is really, I know this season has been difficult, which is a real key component to why I started this podcast to begin with, because some people don't have that outlet or that source or that um, person to talk to. So I hope this podcast, audio, video, however they are listening to it, is that nice little hug that they so desperately need um, to be like, hey, you are important, you are loved. Um, so just be a nice source of comfort and a big, big virtual hug, because I love hugs as well, um, that I'm here for you. You don't have to do this alone. I love that. <laughs> ah, this has been so fun. So I do have that icebreaker question for you. Um, yes, I'm waiting. <laughs> many of my guests enjoy this question um so if you could have any superpower that's not flying or teleporting or levitating i'm adding levitating now you can't levitate your body let me just put it that way you can't levitate your body because many people pick uh what's teleporting when i say they can't pick flying but it's the exact same ah, so yeah, now okay. i have I have to add levitating too, because it might be like, oh, I can levitate. No, no, no. You can't levitate your body. So if you could have right. any power that's not flying, teleporting, or levitating your body, what would it be? Now, do other people also have powers? You could use a power you already possess. People have fun with this question. <laughs> I just take out the flying go-to and teleport because- Well, because, so my favorite show growing up has, was always X-Men. And oh. my favorite character on it is Rogue. So if other people in the world also have powers, then I want her power to be able to touch somebody and just use it because then I have every single type of power. <laughs> I've never wanted to, to box myself into one thing. Like when I was little, I was always going to be an actor because I never wanted to pick one career. I want to do everything. So same thing with superpowers. I don't want to pick one. I want them all. Okay. Okay. I'll let you go. I'll let you go with that answer. I'll let you go with it because some people have opted to do that. Although that makes you have more than one power, but it's again, <laughs> it's one power. But you use it to get other things. <laughs> okay. I see what you did there. 
It might have to be added to your list of things you can't pick, but it wasn't on your list today. No, it wasn't on my list. That's the joys about this question. Many people answer it differently, which makes it so fun. the power I would have it's not exactly a power yet but I feel like it would be one in the future um one of my guests mentioned it might have something to do with technology but I'm not entirely sure how that works but it could be but my power would be the power for this podcast to be heard across other galaxies that have yet to be discovered yet so it's not even NASA's radar yet or NSA or SAA or whatever other organization there is it's not on anybody's radar it's completely undiscovered and they're listening right now love that that's a good one too see you can't steal that one because it's in mars or pluto or another planet or galaxy but it's your superpower so if i came and touched you then i could borrow it This is a fun question, but yes, um, we can keep talking about powers and intergalactic broadcasting and taking others' powers um, for our own fun merriment, but we're at the end of this awesome conversation, unfortunately. Um, do you have any social plugins where people can find your book, YouTube? Are you is yes. your going to turn into a movie at some point? Give us the one-on-one. Oh, my goodness. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love it. it. I would love it. So I all those big movie it. people out there, you know, my book, you, you can make a movie out of it. Just... <laughs> so, yes, I'm definitely on social media. So on Facebook, you can look me up at RB Writing. Um, also, rbwriting.ca is my website. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Randy B writing. So it's R-A-N-D-I, right? I at the end of it. Um, <laughs> and, and I do have a YouTube channel, which I think all of your viewers would probably love my channel. All of my viewers would probably love your channel because they're very similar. So it's called the Write or Die Show. So W-R-I-T-E, like you're writing something, Write or Die Show. And I interview other authors and we talk mental health. So Kind of, you know, similar. We're, we're both trying to change awesome. the world. I love it. Awesome. So definitely look me up on YouTube there. And uh, all of my books are on Amazon. Yay. I want to roll in the movie if it does turn into, if your books do get adaptation or however that word goes. I want to roll <laughs> in the movie. Yes, love it. Glad I planted that idea. Just saying. It's, it's in there. I got it. I got you. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you for joining me today, Randy. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun. Awesome. To all my listeners near and far to planets beyond, stay healthy, stay safe, and until next time. Bye. Hello, everyone. It is your heart warrior, Dion, here. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Words of Heart. If you liked this episode and would like to leave a rating slash review, please do not hesitate to do so. You can leave the review slash rating on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. In addition, if you would like to let me know right away your thoughts on this episode, 
You are also welcome to leave a voice message right here on the Anchor app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day.